Hello and welcome to Pokeballs and Strikes, a baseball podcast that occasionally touches on Pokemon subjects. I'm Tristan Jung, and I'm joined by my usual co-host Max Gelman and a guest. We have a guest. Great guest. Uh, our first ever guest. Ian McCafferty, a college buddy of ours, has decided to make an appearance on this podcast for some reason. Ian, uh, when was the last time you recorded a podcast about sports that also sometimes, and I know this sounds crazy, but might delve into other topics that are not related to sports? Well, first of all, the fact that you had to refer to me as a college buddy makes me feel like I'm 800 years old. But also, um, last time I recorded a podcast about sports was at least over, was at least over a year ago, and probably more because I think the last time I recorded the podcast is when we talked about Avengers. Was the last time I I did anything like that. So in terms of like actually talking about sports, I have no idea. All right, that's a that's a pretty long time. Um, what? has been the thing that you've wanted to podcast about most that you haven't been able to podcast about? Oh man. Um, it's, it's probably the Baltimore Orioles and how they're the greatest baseball team of all time. And they're going to come back and, and win the world series this year. That's what I would say personally. Yeah. Sounds about right. Um, I guess we've been leading off these podcasts with, uh, me asking Max which terrible baseball games he watched this week, but we'll maybe shorten that. Max, what was the worst baseball game you watched this week? The worst baseball game. Let me check my schedule. The worst baseball game that I watched this past week was easily Tigers at Red Sox, second game of the doubleheader on Tuesday. It was Spencer Turnbull, as Tristan and I have discussed numerous times off the pod, who I think is terrible and Tristan thinks is good. Against, he's good. He's not good. And that's our Spencer Turnbull discussion this week. Um, Spencer Turnbull and Hector Velasquez on the Red Sox, although he only pitched like three and a third innings. And it was just long and slow and bad. And... So, like, every Red Sox game. So, like, every Red Sox game and most Spencer Turnbull games. Yeah, it was, like, three and a half hours, and it was only a 4-2 game. So, it was very confusing. (laughs) It was not good. Spencer Turnbull is uh, 2013 Zach Wheeler, basically. He needed 90 pitches to get through five innings and somehow managed to only give up a couple runs. And he got a win. And, and he Shane got Green win. got his 11th save. Yes. Um, yeah, I guess we can use that as a, as a pivot into real baseball topics, which is something that professional podcasters do on a regular basis. You know, they, they segue into things. Um, <laughs> so the Red Sox got swept in that doubleheader, and um, I guess every single episode of this podcast since the first one, we've discussed, like, are the Red Sox actually bad? And uh, we're getting to the end of April, and they are one game ahead in the loss column of the greatest team in baseball, the Baltimore Orioles. So um, the Orioles, by the way, who are not the worst team in the American League by, by right now, um, and like actually quite a bit ahead of Kansas City. 
Um, and we will talk about that later as well. Um, so I think we can use this opportunity to just dunk on Boston fans or Red Sox fans in any way you seem fit. Uh, all of us are from areas where we're, uh, not huge fans of the Red Sox, I suppose. So, um, yeah, uh, just everyone can just, uh, unleash their anti, uh, Boston takes right now. I was recently in the city of Boston. Um, <laughs> and my take is that there are no good tire repair areas that are open past 6 PM in Boston. So, was not thrilled about that. Um, the chop shops in your city field are much better. Yeah, much better. They'll never go away. They'll be there forever. We get your car fixed outside of city field. Yeah. I have a question. Uh, Max, do you, do you, do you think, um, do you, do you, do you, uh, do you, the fat dolly suit uh, should uh, anyway. Um, the guy with the hundred forty million dollar extension. That guy, Chris Sale. Yeah, the guy with the seven hundred. The guy with the one hundred fifty million dollar guaranteed suit. Um. Anyway, um, yeah, it's it's getting it's getting concerning here for Chris Sale. I mean, he is continuing to pitch uh, in the high eighties with his fastball. Um, well, actually, I take that back. His fat, his average fastball velocity is more than two miles an hour down from where it was last year. His slider is a another two miles an hour slower. His changeup is two and a half miles an hour slower. This is the same type of um, downturn that he sort of he experienced a bit in 2016 with the White Sox when he was just miserable and unhappy all the time and cutting up uniforms because you look at his at his pitch speeds um year by year and you know he was at 94 94 and a half 2014 2015 with the white Sox. he went down 2016 to 92.8 and then he shot back up again the last two years with the red Sox. so i i don't know if it's an injury i don't know if it's a world series hangover it's not like he didn't pitch that many more innings than he did normally than he normally does because he they basically shut him down towards the end of last year so if it's a lingering shoulder injury i i just don't know what's going on but he's definitely been the biggest problem for them i'm just looking through that detroit boston game again and detroit decided to use seven pitchers in this game to get through four innings yes (laughs) um it was a bad game rob manfred had an aneurysm (laughs) i assume it was a really bad game, and it was only four to two, and it took yes. three and a half hours. Uh, Ian, as an Orioles fan, how much Schadenfreude do you feel over uh, basically being as good as the Red Sox through twenty-five games? I mean, the Orioles took two of two of four from Boston when they played earlier this year at Fenway. They won. They won one of those games eight to one, and they won the other one nine to five. I don't like. This team, like, it feels like it was going to be like, oh, they're not actually that bad. It'll be fine. They've won one series all season. And we're, what, almost, it's May next week, where they've played 25 games. They've won one series. But have they they been swept? 
Uh, but by the Yankees, if we're counting that two-game series, they have been swept. They have technically not been swept in a three- or four-game series. They lost – so they started the season by losing two games. To the, actually, no. Did they get swept by the Mariners? One second. They got swept three game, three, ugh, in three games by the Yankees. They got swept in a rain-shortened series in three games by the Twins. And they got – they – Oh, oh, I was talking about the Red Sox. Sorry, I was talking about the Red Sox. Oh, the, Orioles was, have, yeah. the Orioles have won a series. The Orioles have won more than one series. Okay. They just – Lost like seven games in a row last week because they're a bad baseball team. I'm the greatest team of all time. <laughs> I was saying the Red Sox um have only won one series, and it was that like they they when they swept the Rays last week, right? And it was like, oh okay, they're back. Like here we go, they're gonna win like like fifteen of seventeen games, and they'll be right back in first place. And then they promptly lost that four to two game. To the um, to the Tigers. Unless that was the second game, I guess they lost seven to four, and then they lost. Yeah, to, they got swept in the, the doubleheader. They're they're bad. Red Sox are really bad. Yeah, and not only did they do that, but they also got Chris Davis to become like once again the best hitter in baseball. They brought um, him back to life. <laughs> uh. Chris Davis, since that game, he hasn't even hitting like 300 and with two home runs and a bunch of RBIs now. Yeah, he's batting like actually, I think since that game, he's batting like two, like 260 or something, which considering he was batting zero prior to that, 260 is pretty good. Um, and then he has like he has like a, a couple, does he have a couple home runs? I'm gonna look this up now. Give me a minute. Yeah, he's had two home runs. Yeah, two home runs, nine hits, ten RBIs. So he has a whole nine hits on the year. Yeah, he's I batting, mean he's back. Um, he's I looked up his uh, F four today, and he's he's only at negative point three. Um, which, considering he was negative three point one last year, is like a is like a massive improvement. I think he could win AL Comeback Player of the Year if he's just league average. Anyway. Yeah, he had he had three hits in one of those Red Sox games. Yeah, he went three for five with four RBIs after going zero for forty something to start the season. So yeah, go Red Sox. Yeah. Good job, go Good Red job, Sox. I, yeah, um, I guess in in other AL East news, um, we got. I think tomorrow is going to be the debut of Vlad Guerrero Jr., which is going to be really fun. Um, so that might put even more pressure on Boston to, like, you know, be good sometime in in the near future. Um, I, I feel like because the Blue Jays waited till or gave him the injury and whatever, that, like, I don't know. It hasn't – I'm not sure, like – I don't know. Do you do you think Vlad is like the best prospect? Do you, I, I was reading this somewhere that he's the best prospect since Harper, pretty much. Uh, do you think that's true, or are you like equally excited for Vlad as you were for watching? I don't know, like the next Mike Trout or Bryce Harper come up. I, I'm not totally sure. I, I don't, I don't it, know. The, the hype around Harper was so big ever since he was a high schooler, right? I mean, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated when he was 15, so. I don't think the hype for Vlad 
Jr. has reached that level. Um, and I think Strasburg was a bigger prospect uh, than Harper because when Steven Strasburg came up, you know, he had he had the greatest curveball of all time and could throw 100 miles an hour, which at the at the time is not something people could do very often as a starter. So uh, I would say probably accepting Strasburg and Harper, then Vlad is probably the best prospect since then. It's weird, right? Because I, it's not that I don't think, I think he's a, he's a fantastic player. I don't, I think he's gonna be very good, but I feel like a lot of the hype is because he's Vlad's son. Like the hype itself, not that he it doesn't, he doesn't deserve it as a player, but just the fact that it's so hyped now is because of who his dad is. Like I think that gets that gets people's attention. That gets that gets the attention of people that don't follow like minor league baseball and don't watch how prospects come up. And they're like, "Oh, it's Vladimir Guerrero's son." Okay, like like stuff like that sort of tips the scale a little bit in the direction of getting people really excited for a player. Yeah, I mean you can't discount that. Uh, I think also him playing in Toronto. And the whole Canada aspect, because Vlad came up with the Expos, and then that uh, he's going to be like basically doing the same thing, but not with the Expos, with the Blue Jays, is also something that is worth keeping in mind. Um, I'm just looking through some prospect lists from 2014 um, to try to remember some guys, and uh, the number one prospect in 2014 was Byron Buxton. That's correct. And I would say that he was probably, I think, I actually totally forgot um, how much Buxton was getting hyped up in 2014. Um, Yeah, he was, like... Considering he hasn't become a useful major leaguer until now, that's kind of impressive, actually, that that we, that he had been on this list for so long. I mean, I I don't really... You know, the number one prospect from the year before, 2013? Yeah, he was the 2014 and 2015 number one prospect. So, like, I remember he was, like, really, really hyped up when he came in. 2013, came in. Like, I'm saying. Be... Jer- oh, in 2013? Jerickson Profar. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Do you guys remember when Chris Bryant came up and he went over for 4 with four strikeouts? No, I don't. In his first game? I distinctly remember that. Probably because I live in Chicago, but it was like this is like the biggest thing. I was like, oh, Chris Bryant's coming up. Oh, it's Chris Chris Bryant's here. Because I think they did the same thing that the Blue Jays did to Vlad, where they kept him down at the start yes, of the they season did. because of um, whatever that word is. Uh, service time. Service time. Um, and then he came up and he went over four with four strikeouts, and it was like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then he was then he was um, really good, but you know. I remember that. Yeah, I was thinking about that too because um, I remember when Harvey came up for the Mets. Like that was like an event, obviously. But Mm -hmm. then I remember Degrom's debut was against the Yankees at City Field in a in the Subway Series, and like everyone had just like it was just like a regular day, and we like, oh yeah, we called up this dude from AAA. Uh, He might be good. Uh, And then he and then um, I guess he's now pretty much the a top three starter. So I'm um, it's it's sort of weird how that works out with like prospect hype because you would assume that everyone would get the same amount of prospects doesn't happen like that. And I guess Vlad is like in the 
in the part where it's like really hyped up. Although he hits like 400 in AAA, so I can't really like say that he doesn't deserve it at all. So. He just turned 20. Yeah. The, Mach- the Machado call-up was weird to talk about the Orioles for a second because um, it was like at the end of 2012 when they were suddenly a good team and they like they were running Mark Reynolds. They were running a Mark Reynolds and Wilson Benamit at third base. Wilson for, Benamit. for a team that was competing for the <laughs> a team that was competing for the AL East. Uh, that was their third base platoon. So they called up Manny, and it was less of like, a, oh, we've got like our our star prospect is coming up, and more of like, oh, thank God we have a third baseman now. Like, oh, we're gonna make him play third base, and it's not Mark Reynolds anymore. So it's yeah. it's kind of I guess what state the team is in, like particularly with the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays aren't very good, so the only thing they the only thing they have to look forward to right now is Vlad. Yeah, I mean. I don't know if is there going to I I can't I don't think there are any other mega prospects that like I'm super excited about coming up right now. I guess I was reasonably excited about Paddock and he's been who Ian just learned of yesterday by the way, Chris Paddock. Um he's so but good. like you could you could erase the Padres from the league and I'd be like I I wouldn't notice for a couple of weeks. <laughs> Dude, you, the Padres are good. You, you're missing out. I think yeah, they're, I don't they're know. one of the most fun teams I've watched this year. <laughs> um, yeah, I really can't think of any other big prospects coming up. So, like, this is going to be, like, the event, uh, I suppose, for, like, I don't know, in terms of call-ups. Um, maybe Nick Senzel will come up uh, at some point in June or May. Hopefully. And then, but yeah, I mean, of the other guys, Tatis Jr. came up immediately. Eloy signed that deal, and he's he's up. And then we we've seen like a couple of these, like Luzardo is gonna play uh, as soon as he gets off the DL. Um, and then like we're pretty sure Forrest Whitley is gonna come up at some point this year too. So like we haven't had quite as much service time manipulation. So it is it is good that we get to. At least, and then uh, and then yeah, Wander uh, Franco is just going to be the top prospect in baseball for the next three years, yeah, because he's in rookie league. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Um, yes. So speaking of, um, I don't know. I was going to talk about that. You want to? Do we want? Do we actually want to talk about the Cardinals? Because I kind of hate the Cardinals and they're boring and they they swept the Met or came close to sweeping the Mets, but um, on this win streak, so we can pivot to something else. I mean, the only thing I want to say about the Cardinals is as long as they don't have to play the Brewers, or I guess they still swept the Brewers, but as long as they don't have to play like Yelich, they appear to be a good team when they're not giving up eight home runs in seven games to Christian Yelich. They're a, a quality baseball team. They have the best record yeah. in the NL right um, now. They might. One second. I think they do. Unless the Dodgers are a little bit better. Yeah, uh, they got the best record in the NL. They're 15-9. Yeah. and nine. They've won five in a row. Yeah. And wow, the Cubs are over 500. Yeah, everyone's excited. Start. Yeah, everybody's uh, really excited. down right now. Um, and looks like the last week we discussed about whether the Pirates were actually decent, um, and uh, they've lost five straight games. So I love the early season when you can really make great fundamental conclusions about teams. Um, Is the NL East going to be this tight for the entire season? 
Yes. Hopefully yes. not. Is it going to be four teams like within a few games of each other? Probably. Yes. <laughs> and then the Marlins, who? The... Yeah, I've determined that all the NL East teams have like the same problem in that none of them have a very good bullpen. None of them seem to want to spend any money on the free agents that are currently out there, and all their fans are just like constantly irate, basically every single night. So the NL East winner is going to win like like eighty nine games. Um, Probably less. And then we're going to have four teams in like the last couple weeks that are competitive for the division, and none of them are going to get the wild card. Yeah. Is, is, is what's going to happen. Yeah, and they're going to get swept by the Dodgers in the division series, yes. I also want to take a minute, just like one minute, because this is that we shouldn't talk about the Marlins, but I want to talk about the Marlins. Uh, they're averaging like 2.7 runs a game. They've been shut out six times this season. <laughs> I don't like. How does that happen? Like, how are you? How are you that bad? I don't understand. Like at least the Orioles score runs. Like they can they can hit. They just aren't that good. Yeah, the Orioles' offense is legit. Um, they're uh, Renato Nunez and Trey Mancini are actually like, and Dwight Smith are pretty good. It's like who's even on the Marlins? Lewis Brinson. Uh, yes, my favorite player. <laughs> Brian Anderson. Tyrone Guerrero. Like, uh, good grief. Jorge Alfaro. The Marlins offense is like... Curtis I Branderson. mean, they are trying not to win, but like this is like sort of insane levels of trying not to win. Who is Isaac Galloway? They have someone named <laughs> Isaac Galloway. Did you know Isaac Galloway existed? No, I knew of Austin Dean, but not Isaac Galloway. Okay. Over yeah, the last, I, I had no idea he existed. Over the last eight games, the Marlins have scored 19 runs. If you remove the nine-run outburst against the Nationals, so in seven <laughs> games, they scored 10 runs in seven games. Three of those games, they were shut out. That's... <laughs> that's so bad. How does that happen? Yeah, well, it, it was looking last year, so, like... Baltimore had the worst record and they were like scarily close to the to the 60 what year is it 63 Mets or whatever we, we, it came um, close to, I started counting wins I was like we need the Orioles need seven more wins at like some point in like August they needed like seven more wins to not be the 62 Mets and I was it was like that was how close it was it was not it was not good yeah well the thing is is that Miami they have been winning like a decent number, but they since they started two. I think they started when they started two and they started two and thirteen. So Miami is like could be on course to be the close the the closest team to breaking that record this year because it seems like I think the Orioles the and the White Sox the Orioles are too good to like lose a hundred and twenty games this year, which is sad because. Um, if you're going to be bad, why not just be really, really bad? Um, <laughs> the, uh, the Marlins got swept by the Reds this season with a combined series, three games. The combined score of those three games was 21 to 1. <laughs> <laughs> the Cincinnati Reds. Well, um, the, that, that would explain why the Reds are uh, in last place at 9 and 14 with a plus three run differential. There you go. There you go. They've scored 80 runs and have given up 77. 
They scored one fourth of their runs against the Marlins. They scored twenty one <laughs> runs against the Marlins. Despite this, despite the Marlins ineptitude, though, they still took two of three from Washington. So thank, thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, who was um, Scherzer? Wait, Scherzer gave up. They gave up nine runs against Miami when Scherzer was starting. Excuse yeah, me. Yeah, Scherzer got rocked by yeah. Miami. <laughs> what? <laughs> Gotta love baseball. Scherzer has an ERA of 4.45 right now, by the way. Um, despite making... I think he's made two starts against... No, he's only made one start against the Marlins. But um, he did get to start against the Mets. So that that was good. Um, with 12 strikeouts. So that was that. So he's... Despite that good start, he's still been terrible. Or not been good. Um, Yeah. Um, what else do I have to talk about on this list? Oh, right. Um, do we have any hot takes on Tim Anderson and Brad Keller or no? I uh, do. Well, it's not really hot, but I have a take. Um, let's go for it. This is this is a podcast for takes. Um, don't give up a home run if you don't want someone celebrating a home run. It's very simple. It's a very simple thing. I think if you don't want someone celebrating a home run off of you, if you're so offended. That someone would be excited that they hit a home run off of you. Don't give up the home run. There you go. Strike them out, and then you can celebrate because you struck them out. It's like I don't. I will never understand this argument. It seems just like it's, it's so, such a weird idea that you can't celebrate hitting a home run. Yeah, I used to really like Brad Keller, and now I don't because he got pissy about a home run. And it's just not a good look. I mean, did you guys see that video uh, comparing the White Sox broadcast and the Royals broadcast? I didn't, but I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, the White Sox broadcast was very clearly like, okay, here come the fun police, yada, yada, yada. And they're basically saying everything that you just said, Ian. And in the Royals broadcast, the color commentator, Rex Hudler, when Rick Renteria and Ned Yost started getting into it, he was just like, oh, go get him, Ned. It was like, why are you encouraging this type of thing? Because it's color commentary on a local MLB broadcast. It's it's literally never been good in the history. Oh, well, other than the Mets, it's never been good in the history of, of No, the baseball. Orioles have good. <laughs> well, occasionally. Like, Jim Palmer is good. When they have Mike Bordick on, Mike Bordick is kind of a shill for Masson. Gibson and Jack Morris as their color commentators. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah, the Tigers have the worst broadcast in baseball, and the Royals also have a terrible broadcast. But I, I sorry, I screwed that up. I might have to edit this out now. That's okay. Oops. Oh, but I will say that this this incident would have been infinitely more entertaining if if Hawk was still the the commentator <laughs> for the for the White Sox. Jason Manetti's really good, though. Oh yeah, the White Sox broadcasts are great now. They were always like fun to watch in sort of a a like watching a train crash kind of way <laughs> um when hawk was was the whatever the i don't even know what he was because sometimes he would do play-by-play and then sometimes steve stone would do the play-by-play and then like steve stone i'm convinced steve stone is banned from canada because whenever they whenever they would play the blue jays they would have somebody else in the booth with hawk um but that that would have been he would have been screaming. That, All right, that, worst something. Worst five broadcast teams. Tristan, go. 
Can we can we pick different sports? If we're picking base, no baseball. I was if we're picking different sports, the Houston Rockets local broadcast is so bad. I would I was gonna say the TNT Champions League broadcasts are like truly abysmal as well. Um uh, with Steve Nash with doing commentary. I don't know but, if um, I I don't know if I know enough bad ones. Particularly now that like the White Sox broadcast is good now. Cause that would have always been my number one answer, would have been the White Sox in the bottom five. Now yeah, no, like... the Tigers are the worst. Uh, the Tigers are, now that I get to really make this point, the Tigers are the worst broadcast I've ever heard in my life. Um, I would say that the Rockies were really bad, and they got a little better. Um, and then, I don't know. I mean, Kansas City is like, I, I don't know if they're that bad, but they're like bottom tier, but not like the worst, worst ever, if I recall correctly, now that I'm thinking about it. Um Hmm. I've always thought the Nationals broadcasts have been pretty awful. Oh, God. Um, yes, Nationals are by P- PJ, or what is his name? FP Santangelo. FP is awful. And I only <laughs> know this because I occasionally have to watch it when the Orioles play the Nationals. They only have, like, one broadcast occasionally. And so you have to watch FP. And it's it's not it's not good. I'm not, I'm not having a good time. Um, And then... Miami's broadcast is just like bad, but no one listens to it. So, yeah, I think yeah. I would go. Nationals are the worst, and then the Tigers, and then the Royals, and then the Rockies, and then number five is probably probably like the Rangers, maybe or the Mariners. Like, but all of the ALS broadcasts are bad except the uh, Astros. I was gonna bring up the Mariners, but I kind of like the thing he does when people hit home runs. So, I don't know. Although Nelson Cruz isn't there anymore, so he can't yell boomstick baby anymore when, when he hits a home run. Yeah, actually, the A's are good, too. Just the Angels and Rangers are both, and Mariners are all really bad. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I think that's about all the baseball conversations I've come up with. Who's that Pokemon? Max, do you have a Pokemon of the Week? I do have a Pokemon of the Week. Um, yesterday, which was Wednesday the 24th, we were treated to uh, Chris Paddock versus King Felix in what was probably going to end up being the shortest game of the year. It was two hours and five minutes. Uh, it was in San Diego, so it was National League rules. And the... Padres won one to nothing because of an Ian Kinsler solo home run in the second inning. So it was basically, you know, a classic King Felix start against the Rangers in like 2010. But um, Felix needed 75 pitches to get through seven innings, and they took him out in the seventh to pinch hit for him because it was a one nothing game. Uh, Chris Paddock needed 83 pitches to get through seven innings, and Paddock's changeup was absolutely filthy yesterday. But my Pokemon of the week is going to be just reminiscing about vintage King Felix because he really looked probably the best he has in a few years. And that's not an exaggeration because he's been awful. So our Pokemon of the week is Kingler, the King Crab, uh, from Generation 1. 
Uh, it is number 99 in the National Dex. And its Pokedex entry reads, One claw grew massively and is as hard as steel. It has 10,000 horsepower strength. However, it is too heavy. So now that we're talking about Vintage King Felix, I wanted to open up the discussion into what is your favorite vintage Pokemon. Well, I guess we can stick with Generation 1 in Kanto, since we're probably all the most familiar with that. So, yeah, what do you guys got? Well, mm. as someone who only played Pokemon Blue... Oh, I've only ever played Pokemon Blue. Um, That's not true <laughs> for me. I've played the first four generations, but... Um, see, this is a weird question because I feel you know like what I'm... happens when you assume, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I just want to go with like Blastoise or Charizard because those are two of my favorite Pokemon. But I also feel like those are like like boring answers. Not sure. Alec, I, you know, I'm gonna go with Alakazam. Oh, that's a good I like, one. I like Alakazam, one of my favorite Pokemon. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Lapras, so I'm going to go with Lapras. Great Pokemon. All-time classic. And hard to find in the later games. Hard to find in general, too. You only get one in the in the Kanto games. You get it as a gift from yeah. uh, the random person who's in the middle of the, uh, the Silphco Tower while Team Rocket is invading it. Just like here, have a Lapras. <laughs> yes, I do remember that. Um, yeah, um, I don't know, Max. What's your favorite vintage Pokemon? I'm assuming it's not Kingler because Kingler is like one of the more <laughs> obscure. <laughs> no, it just had to be the King because he's King Felix. Right. Um, I really like Electabuzz. Even though I never really use it in the games, it, I think it, I just think its design is really cool. It's much better than Magmar, which is sort of like the companion, like the fire and Jinx, which is just uh, kind of racist. Yeah, but, Jinx uh, is definitely racist. Also, do you know what they say about uh, Elizabeth Warren after she uh, releases a, a plan to um, make college free for everybody? What? They worry if she's uh, electable. I like to buzz. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, sorry. That's wow. Uh... <laughs> wow. Can, can I bring up a baseball topic real quick again? Sure. Because I was thinking about this earlier when we were talking about the Red Sox. How weird is that? Like, it's like in 10 years, how weird is that Rick Porcello Cy Young going to be? As weird as the Bartolo Colon one. Because it's already weird. And it's only been it's only been three years. Like three one five like three one five VRA, twenty two and four, which is why he won the Cy Young, but like every like he's he's never been that good. And then he had like one pretty good year. And then since winning the Cy Young, four six five, four two eight, and his ERA this season is eight four seven through four starts. I'm trying to think of another Cy Young. I mean, I guess the the Bartolo Colon one, the another Cy Young where the where the pitcher was just like terrible. I mean, the RA Dickey Cy Young is like 
probably not deserved, but no, totally should have gone to Kershaw. But that was like an actually there was a point where he was like pretty much the best pitcher. Uh, well, at least the second one of the two best pitchers in the league, like for like a good three months. Like I don't ever remember Porcello being like a guy who I thought was gonna like throw a shutout every single time he came out to pitch. No, it was like that's one of those those awards where it's like everybody thought it was a bad decision when it happened, and now as we move on, it looks it looks even weirder and weirder. Like the last before that before he won the last pitcher to win the Cy Young with a three plus ERA was um, Bartolo Colon. In two thousand and five, wasn't sorry, that the year that Verlander should have? I know that Verlander should have won pretty much the last three Cy Youngs in a row, but that was like the first time that he should have won, right? Yeah, that was the one where he probably should have won um, in twenty sixteen. Yeah, and also uh, Zach Britton, maybe you know, give him some 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 consolation because he didn't get the pitch in the playoffs. Yeah, Verlander has only one Cy Young award, and I think he could make a case that he should have like five, which is, which is funny. And instead they went to uh, Rick Porcello, uh, Kluber's good and Blake Snell. So we'll see. Although Snell now looks like he's, Does he really he's... only have one Cy Young award. Yep. Yeah. He won it in 2011, 24 and five. Not that that matters. And a 2.4 ERA. Who be? Oh, right. Cause David Price won in 2012, in 2012 when that should have been Verlander. And then in 2009, oh, Granky should have won that year. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that one's, that one's acceptable. Yeah, no, Verlander should have five, like, could, you could, he should probably have four or five. <laughs> so, we'll see. 2011, 2012, definitely. His... 2016, for sure, it's three. And then last year, four, yeah. Yeah, he should have four. I don't um, know about 2017. I forgot Barry Zito won a Cy Young. He did. My God. Cliff Cliff Lee. And the AL Cy Young list is is not bizarre, but it is kind of weird in the last twenty years. It feels like the NL has more Yeah. More, well Eric like, Gagne time. Yeah, well. Other than Love that, steroids, like, Eric Gagne. Like it's like that's Lincecum, the NL Cy Young list. But. Lincecum, Holiday, Kershaw, Bunch, Dickey, the to the good Arietta season, Scherzer, Degrom. Meanwhile, the the Ales like like it's a different guy every year. Kluber has two. It's like Felix, Granky, Cliff yeah. Lee, CC Sabathia, Johan, Bartolo Colon. Such a strange list. I guess the one weird one on the analyst is Jake. I guess Jake Arrieta is like, I don't know how much his late career is going to go, but um, I'm sure you don't have any Jake Arrieta takes at the end. Um, he's bad is my take. <laughs> <laughs> but he was good because they fixed his, they fixed his mental. He always had, I always say this. He always had good stuff. He would occasionally like throw like he threw like a one of the first games in 2012. He threw like nine innings of one hit ball at Yankee Stadium, and they and the or like eight innings, and they the Orioles won. But it's like he just was a head case when he was in Baltimore, and I guess they fixed it in Chicago, and then it slowly kind of fell apart, and now he's like 
I think he's like okay on the Phillies. I haven't really been paying attention. I try to avoid Jake Arrieta when I can. Yeah, he hasn't had a FIP under four since uh, 2016, so um, he hasn't been that great with the Phillies. Um, all right, uh, I think that's a probably a good note to end this this episode. But um, I'm apologize for my awful Pokemon puns uh, that have been <laughs> featured on this podcast over the years. Um, Elect a muzzle. Elect. It's not elect. It's about electability, Max. Um, uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, Ian, thanks for coming on uh, on such short notice. Um, I don't know if you can still hear me. I can still hear you. Okay. Um, I guess uh, good luck watching Avengers tonight. Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully Thanos loses. Um, I, it would be cool if he lost. I guess, right?